Thank you, Ryan. What a wonderful reminder that God is sovereign. Not just sovereign over creation. He is sovereign over creation. Not just sovereign over all the nations. He is sovereign over all the nations, though. But He is sovereign over us. His most special creation we see in Genesis. It's a challenge uh, to come here each week uh, and preach to you, not knowing what each of you are going through. Sometimes I wonder, I wish I had a magic ball to know what each of you are going through, but then other times I'm so thankful I don't have that magic ball <laughs> to know what each one of you are going through. I'm so thankful for God's Word. It preaches and it penetrates all of our hearts, no matter what we are going through, whether it's the peaks or the valleys or somewhere in between. Let us pray. Gracious Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these people, your people, your precious people that you have called by your name to proclaim the wonders of your name, to proclaim that you are the God of all grace. So Lord, we sing... What a wonderful cross. How mind-boggling is it to say, to say even those words, what a wonderful cross, but it's only by the cross that we draw near, that we come together, that we praise your name. It's by your grace that we are here this morning. So Father, I pray that you might use my words, that I might be an instrument in your hand to proclaim your glory. As the psalmist says, ascribe to the to the Lord the glory due His name. Lord, we want to worship You in the splendor of holiness. For Father, You are indeed holy. Lord, we thank You for Your Son, for without Your Son, we would be a lost people. Lord, we would be on a path leading to destruction. But Lord, You are sovereign over us and You have called us here today to worship you. So Father, even now by your Spirit, I pray that people will hear a better message than the one that I've prepared. Father, I pray that they will hear your words. Lord, take out all the, the fluff and the things that are of man. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will teach us to submit to you in all things. Lord, we thank you for the mystery even of your word. As I was speaking with one of your your people in this church yesterday, the mystery of your word and how it even came together. Father, we marvel at that. Lord, we marvel at your plans. We marvel at the Spirit. We do not know the, the Spirit's workings. It's like the wind. It blows here and there. But Father, we pray, Father, for your Spirit to do a mighty work in our neighborhood, in our nation, Father, I'm so thankful for Kempton and the missionaries there in East St. Louis, and I'm so thankful for their vision, for your spirit to move in a miraculous way so that people might be out of darkness, so they might be off the path of destruction, so they might see light. But Lord, we ask that you might give us a vision for this city and for our community as well. Lord, we are jealous, I am jealous for your name to be lifted high in our community. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us here this morning. You have caused us to wake up, some with great pain, physical pain, 
some with great emotional pain. So Lord, I pray that you will do healing and that you will remind us that you are with us. Lord, as it's already been prayed, we pray that you will draw sinners unto yourself, that people will see their sin and they will see their need for a Savior. Because Father, we see in your word that salvation is found in no other name except for the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this day. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So who has most influenced your life? You don't have to answer out loud. But most of us would quickly probably say maybe our parents or maybe a teacher, maybe a friend. But would anyone say a pastor or church leader? I know for me, one of the most influential people on my life was my youth youth leader. Um, spent hours in his office talking about what my job is to do the will of God. So we need to think about the impact that youth youth leaders and church leaders have upon our lives, because leaders change the way we see the world, but church leaders in particular see the way that we live in the world as we live for Christ. So today we're going to talk about leaders. Specifically, I'm talking about pastors and elders. When I say elder, you can put pastor there. When I say pastor, you can put elder there. Those words are interchangeable. So I'm going to be doing a series regarding church leadership. We're going to look at what elders look like within the life of the church. Now, I know when I say those words, automatically those words create images in your mind. You might think of a particular church, a particular denomination, a particular culture, and you might even think that's foreign to the way that you were raised as a Baptist or a Southern Baptist. Um, we'll talk about some of the history of Southern Baptists, but even the first president of the Southern Baptist Convention, W.B. Johnson, he believed in elders within one church. So don't be tempted to tune this series out. Like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I don't need to necessarily hear this. Don't tune this out or disregard these messages because it's not just for elders, pastors, or potential pastors, or potential elders. We see that those leaders affect us. They affect our lives. They affect our Bible study classes. They affect our ministries. They give us structure. Leadership is crucial for the members because the leaders... They teach the members. Again, sheep need a shepherd. And they provide structure for the members, but they also contribute to the overall church health. So the leaders teach the members, they provide structure for the members, and they contribute to the overall church health. So today we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about elders, specifically within the book of Acts. We're not going to be spending a lot of time on one passage. We're going to be going to several different places in Acts. Next week, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus. So um, go ahead and read ahead. And then May 13th, we're going to look at 1 Peter 5. May 20th, Ephesians 4 and Hebrews 13. And May 27th, Brother Justin will be preaching. And so look forward to that time. And uh, in case you missed the email, uh, after the morning service on May 27th, we're going to go over into the Jim Raby Fellowship Hall and celebrate with Justin and Bethany and their family. It will be a day of sadness as we will be missing them much, a lot, but 
we will also be celebrating because we know that this is part of God's plan. So just want to give you a glimpse into the next few weeks. So as we talk about elders, I know um, I've, I was talking with another brother of mine and I asked him to pray for me as I started this series and he said, well, let me ask you, how, how many messages has the people, the flock there at Haven, heard from you preach about elders? And I said, well, that's a good question. And so I did preach on elders during a Sunday evening series, I don't know, about a year ago or so. But um, some of you may not have been part of that series. And so some of you might not know my thoughts on elders. Obviously, um, since I'm preaching on elders, I believe that they are biblical. But we are definitely going through a... a um, a big task. I've got a big task ahead of me as we go into the deep end of the pool. And I'm asking you to go with me as we swim through these waters. And let me assure you, I won't let you drown. We're going to go through these waters together. But as we go through these, these passages, as we look at these passages, we're going to be going quickly. And I want us to see the biblical nature of elders. I had uh, a lady who was a part of our ministry up in Fairyland, Newfoundland. That's always a mouthful to say, but um, as soon as you walked into her garage, she had like a little porch area that kind of led up to the step, and there was a, a license plate right there. It says, the Bible believes it. Um, that, there we go. Someone knows it. That settles it. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm messing it up. There we go. And I knew I was going to, I knew I should have written it down. The, the Bible says it. I believe it. Therefore, that settles it. And so you've probably heard that before. But that that is very helpful. You know, if the Bible says it, then we must believe it if we are biblical in our understanding of following God's Word. So I want us to see that it, this is a biblical notion, but there's also many practical helps from under for thinking about elders. But besides being biblical, you know, we're not just being theologians, and besides being practical, we're not just being pragmatic in our approach. I want us to see that implementing elders, and we'll talk about what those steps might be and how we will get from point A to point B, but implementing elders at Haven is a way of, this is key, obeying the authority of Christ. That's kind of our overarching theme. Implementing elders is a way of obeying the authority of Christ. That's where we're going to land at this morning. So as we begin, let me pray for us again. Father, even now as I have started this series on elders, Lord, help us to look to you. Lord, I pray that you will fix our thoughts upon you this morning. Lord, I pray that we will leave here hungry even to search the scriptures. Father, I heard of a man a couple weeks ago about a different teaching, a different doctrine, who went home and studied the doctrine all the way through, and actually he came to a different belief than where he began. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to study your word fervently with much passion. Lord, I pray that we'll be Bereans who want to obey your authority, the authority of Christ. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple key truths off the bat. A plurality of elders, that is multiple elders, have, are seen throughout the Bible in individual churches. Multiple elders, multiple pastors in individual churches. And they are seen to do what? They're not seen to just have more elders, more pastors, but they are given, here's the key, to care for the flock, to care for the sheep, 
So this is a good thing. So I hope one of the things that you hear from this, this series is saying, Pastor Steve wants us to have more doctors, so to speak, more soul physicians, more, pe- more shepherds, more people to care for the flock. So we need people who will care for the flock. Number two, elders are servant leaders who lead by the authority of Christ, and we have an opportunity to obey that authority as Christ's church. If you, I hope you got a handout. If you didn't, I can get you one. I can uh, email one out later. I think we've got some extras. Oh, Mike's got some extras. If you didn't get a handout, go ahead and raise your hand. But we see these as key truths. The plurality of elders are seen throughout the Bible in individual churches who care for the members in each congregation. And number two, elders are servant leaders who lead by the authority of Christ, and we have an opportunity to obey that authority as Christ's church. So now let's press on. So first, we're going to see this lived out in the book of Acts. If we were to go through the book of Acts, we don't have time to do that this morning, but we see the Spirit working in numerous ways. Jesus has died, He's buried, and what happens after that? He rose again. Amen? Amen. Amen. He rose again. He was ascended. Um, we see in Acts chapter 1, after the ascension, we see the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, and the Holy Spirit comes, fills all the believers, and, and we see that God is doing an amazing thing through the Spirit. The Spirit is saving people through the preaching of the apostles. And in Ephesians 2, we see that that is the foundation. The Spirit at work, the foundation is laid by Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Disciples are being made. They are being gathered together into, into churches so that they may carry out Christ's command as God's people. This is all taking place early on in the book of Acts. And as the churches are started or planting, we see that leaders are implemented so that they might lead the church members. And members are called to follow these leaders that God has placed in their lives. And so you see here the Spirit at work early on in the book of Acts. And as we see the Spirit at work, what do we see the members do? They follow the Spirit's leading. So my question for you as we go through this series is how can you as a member of Haven Baptist Church, obey Christ by following and obeying the elders, pastor God has ordained to lead and to care for you. Now, I want to say something at the beginning. I feel like most of the sermon is introduction, but what's kind of preparing us for the weeks to come. When I say elder, I don't want you to think, is Pastor Steve talking about a third office? This Is, this, is he implementing something new? If you hear me implementing something new, then uh, that's a bad situation. You know, you want to call a, a meeting or something or do something, business meeting, I don't know. But this is not something new. This is not a new teaching. We're talking about two offices. First Timothy 3, which we'll look at next week, it says there's the office of pastor, elder, overseer. Those are all interchangeable. And deacon. So these are the two offices. This is not a third office that I'm introducing to you. So that is at the outset of the of the sermon series. Now, as we jump into the book of Acts, we see elders being implemented, being installed, being ordained within the life of the church. But what's confusing sometimes is we see elder used in different ways, just like we might see the word bat used in different ways. There's two different uses of the word bat. But here in the book of Acts, there's 18 times that the word elder is used. But elder is not always the same as the other elder. What I mean by that is sometimes, about half of those 18 times, it's talking about a religious group. 
There was the religious group of the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. This was kind of like Israel's supreme court. This religious group was opposed to Jesus. So obviously I'm not talking about installing or implementing people who are opposed to Jesus. No, not at all. So these elders were opposed to the teachings of Christ, this, this religious group. We see this in Matthew 15, 2, in Acts 22, 6. This was a religious group of elders. But then there's other elders who are older individuals in society. And so are the elders that I'm talking about older? Well, they could be, but not necessarily. There are elders in the Bible that are to be respected in society, like Leviticus 19.32. I think we have Leviticus there. Leviticus says, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. So elders are to be respected in society. We are to respect and honor those who are older amongst us. And when our team was in Montana, one of the things that we heard often was right before we would eat, the pastor, PK, Pastor Kelly, he would say, remember now, kids, elders eat first. Because this was part of the, and it was amazing. You know, you'd have all these rowdy, wild kids running everywhere, basketball's flying, and it was time to eat, and then they would form a line. And then the elders, I'm not sure how we constituted elders because, um, as far as older, because I got to go up there with them. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. But um, the elders would just form this, so there's this other line of kids then there's this line forming this way of elders. And they understood that this was part of what we do, that we respect the elders. So there are different types of elders, and Paul even tells Timothy to not rebuke an older man or elder, but to encourage him as you would a father. So there are the elders who were the religious group that were focused on keeping the traditions. Then there was the elders that we are to respect because they're older and honored. Then there's the description that I'm talking about that are the spiritual elders within the book of Acts. These are elders who are called by God to lead God's people. These are the elders we are looking for. So we find them throughout the New Testament. But who are elders? Elders are not administrators, CEOs, project managers, those who oversee subcontractors, or serving on a board of trustees. Some of these life experiences are helpful and useful, but not necessary. Elders are God's called servant leaders who are set apart to lead and to love, this is one of your fill-in-the-blanks, to lead and to love the church, God's household of faith. This is very important. Elders are not deacons. Deacons are not elders. I'll say much more about that next week. This is in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So, in the first passage we come to, Acts 11, verse 30, this is our first passage where it says, And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So we're, again, I'm kind of at a disadvantage here. I'm just kind of jumping into the book of Acts. They did what? Who? Why? What is all this about? Well, basically, the church sent money to the elders to help the brothers and sisters in need. There was a great famine. There was this man who rose up and said, there's going to be a famine in your land. We're going to need to to store up, and we're going to need to um, prepare for this famine. And so the brothers said, let's send help. Let's send relief to those who are in need. 
but they send it clearly to who? The elders. So this is the first time, the first time in the book of Acts where we see the word elders being used. This is how the offering gets to the believers there. Now let's look at the second reference in the church. So they're not doing this in haste. They're doing this in response to God's grace, slowly praying, fasting, thinking about who they would install and ordain as an elder. The third example, Acts 15, this is all three, all four of these examples could be a sermon in and of themselves. In Acts 15, we see another example of elders in the plural. Acts 15.4, it says, When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the kind of the hub, the church hub, and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. So in Acts 15, the elders spoke and are present for a key meeting in Jerusalem. One of the things elders do is that they judge doctrinal matters the core teaching within the church. Jerusalem was the first center and the hub of Christianity, and the church in Jerusalem was composed of Jews, while the church in Antioch was established and composed of Jews and Gentiles. So there was questions that arose about how to deal with the new Gentile converts as it related to the Jewish customs. But the elders are the ones who decide the outcome of the issue. In Acts 15, verse 6, we see uh, this take place. So the elders are very important as they're fighting off false teaching, as they're combating legalism. And then we come to the conclusion of Acts 15, verses 19 through 22. So they say, again, as all these things are coming together, they say, it's my judgment that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by God, polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from that which has been strangled, and from blood. And then in verse 21 it says, For from ancient generations Moses has it had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And then in verse 22 it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. So this is the third example where elders are used as a core key moment to decide what to do in the life of the church. And they send reputable men with the report back to Antioch. So in Acts 15, the elders lead the church. They, they, they decide amongst doctrinal matters. And then the last example, Acts 20, the elders protect the church. It's very important. Elders protect the church. This is not, <clears throat> this is not these guys coming together to form some club so they might profit from it. No, they are, they are God's shepherds. Christ is the chief shepherd. They are leading by His authority, leading and caring for the flock. So now, <clears throat> in Acts 20, Paul has, was, was famously converted on the Damascus Road in Acts 9. He's traveled throughout Acts, and now in Acts 20, he lands up in Miletus. He's gone from Mytilene to Miletus and many places in between, and he lands in Miletus, and he Paul calls for the elders of the church in Ephesus to come to him. Here in Acts 20, we read one of the most stirring speeches in all of the Bible. 
in Acts 20, we see an elder, Paul, who loves the flock. In fact, he is moved to tears. He spoke of his tears and his trials as he labored among them. And he holds nothing back because he loves the flock. And so to love the flock is to love for those who shepherd the flock. And we see that he holds nothing back as he spoke of the beauty of God's plan. Look with me in Acts 20, verses 24 and 25. <clears throat> he says, I do not account my life or of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So he loves the elders there. He's not shrinking back from declaring the whole purpose of God. So we see one of the purposes of God is for pastors and elders to love the church, but also to protect the flock. Look with me in verses 28 and 29. Paul loves the flock because he loves the overseers. In verse 28 he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, or elders, or pastors, or shepherds, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So Paul writes with much love in his heart. He Paul, Paul tells the elders to pay careful attention to themselves and to their flock. This phrase, to pay careful attention, it means to be on guard, to keep watch, or to pay strict attention. To pay strict attention. So they're to be on guard, to keep watch, to pay attention. The elder must first watch his own soul before he watches over the sheep entrusted to him. Listen to what Richard Baxter says. Baxter, a well-known pastor, says, Satan has a special eye for the guardians of the flock. Alexander Strzok says something similar. He says, Satan knows if he can destroy the shepherds, he can swiftly invade and devour the flock. So this is why Paul warns the elders to care for the church of God, the church Christ bought with his own blood by protecting the people from wolves who will come in and seek to devour the sheep. I think this is one of the applications that I want us to see from this, this series, is that when a church is built around what I would call like a CEO mentality, or a head man manager mentality, that head pastor, head elder, can get easily distracted, can easily get caught off guard in this and that, instead of focusing on himself, first and foremost, his home, the little church, and his flock. So we must think about ourselves. So this isn't about what Pastor Steve wants. This is about what Christ wants. 
Paul warns the elders to care for the church of God. He calls the elders overseers because they oversee God's people. They're not, they're not leaders in the sense of CEOs, but they are leading God's people. They are overseeing God's people. Again, you've heard me say elders or pastors or shepherds. They're also guardians and overseers. Overseers in the Greek is episkopos. It's to shepherd the church of God. Someone reminded me recently, every church is Christ's church. Every church is Christ's church. That's right. Christ is the chief shepherd of this church, but yet he's called there to be a plurality of elders, other shepherds to lead Christ's people. So an overseer here shepherds the flock. You could also easily say they shepherd oversees God's people. Christ paid the ultimate price for his bride and he has appointed capable men to protect the bride until he calls the church home. In Philippians chapter 1, look with me there, Philippians 1 verse 1, Paul speaks of the elders at the very outset of his letter. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, there's that word again from Acts 20, and deacons, the elders and deacons. The great missiologist Roland Allen came to this conclusion. St. Paul was not content with ordaining one elder for each church. In every place he ordained several. This ensured that all authority should not be concentrated in the hands of one man. I thought that was so helpful. All authority is not in the hands of one man. It's not in the hands of a plurality of men either. I'm not naive in thinking having a plurality of elders is going to fix everything or change everything. All the authority lies in whose hands? Christ. Christ's hands. So I do believe elders are biblical, vital, and beneficial for every church. I do believe that Haven should implement elders. In some ways, that won't change much at all. But in other ways, that will change several things. But just as we start at the beginning, I want us to see this as a teaching that is biblical. I want us to see this as a teaching that is practical, that can impact us. But also, I want us to see this, most importantly, as a teaching in which we can obey under the authority of Christ. The last passage we're going to look at this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Jesus commands us, to follow him by obeying him in 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Paul is talking about several things here at the end of his letter to Timothy. And he says, Let the elders, he's given young Timothy instruction, who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. And then in verse 21, in the presence of God, 
This is Paul's argument. As he's giving all these instructions, now we see the basis of his argument in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. His authority and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. So I want us to see that elders are a good thing. They are a biblical thing. There are many practical benefits. There are many ways in which the elders will be a blessing to our church, provide structure to our church, give our church more church health. But most importantly, I want us to obey the authority of Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Lord, indeed you are very gracious. Lord, I I pray, Lord, that you will again do a work in our midst. Father, I pray that you will answer questions that are even in people's hearts and minds right now. Father, I I know, Lord, that you are able to do whatever you intend. And so, Lord, if there's any Selfish motives, selfish ambitions on my part. Lord, I pray that you will crucify those. And Father, I pray that you will help me to lead your people, to shepherd your flock, to help oversee the work that you are doing. And Father, I pray that you will teach us your ways. Lord, I thank you for this church. And Lord, I pray, Father, that they will seek to know you and to know your ways. Lord, I pray, Father, that in all these things that you will be honored and glorified. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.